would be wrong to think that the border is open. It is not open. And I just want to be very, very clear about that. Democrats were shuddering privately just right. a few days ago about how big the margin was going to be. Republicans were predicting a red wave, but they may end up with the same slim majority Democrats have had for the last two years. We are going to take the House back. But we've got so much more to do, and I have only begun to fight. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. Good Tuesday in this holiday season. Boy, we're getting close, aren't we, fellas? Really, right around the corner. I mean, to me, it feels like everyone has already checked out to to a large extent, like especially on phone calls or whatever. No, like when you have your weekly call, no one's paying attention. <laughs> I mean, at the end, anyone have suggestions? No, like no, bro. I am like Christmas shopping on my laptop. <laughs> self indictment, right there, right? <laughs> I'm paying attention. I'm like, I got suggestions. I got a it's, lot. I'm still working. It's the other people. That it's are the all the other people that are the problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I I've, I've been enjoying things here. I, yeah, I'm in the Christmas spirit. Got that going. How about the sports? How about the sports that have been yeah. going? I mean, on? it's been pretty incredible. We had some great games this past weekend. We really did. One in particular, Michael. Okay. Yeah. One in particular, Michael. <laughs> okay. So, of course, we're talking about the Minnesota Vikings playing the Indianapolis Colts. I guess playing. Yeah. More like the, the Vikings were playing with the Colts. <laughs> the best is like when you get people's hopes up and then you crush them. We figured we'd spot you 33. <laughs> Because it is an NFL record, and then just sort of reel that sucker in in the most painful possible way. I, I just feel like celebrating this as a Vikings fan is like watching a game of the Washington Generals and then being shocked the Harlem Globetrotters won. <laughs> and being like, we did it. I love you know what? Ticker, ticker tape parade. You're trying we to did s- it. We beat the Washington Generals. You're trying to steal my joy by denigrate your own team? You're, boy, you're fucking 11-3. and three. What are you talking about? <laughs> just, you were expected to win. This is incredible. I did appreciate more than anything, uh, and we'll get on to the rest of the show shortly, but I did appreciate how somehow in the middle of the 33 to nothing run, smug texts, hey, the Vikings are getting blown out by the Colts. As if, as if, yeah, as if we're know. sitting there like, oh, is a game happening? Oh. And then immediately once it looked like it turned, I was like, wow, Colts are a very bad team. <laughs> It's like he was tweeting at us. <laughs> you know, just trying to get a rise. It out was of unbelievable. It was. it was unbelievable. I, I would look. I, it was the most excitement I got out of a Colts game in many weeks. Well, so they got that. You know, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's sort of the silver lining, I think. And I did appreciate your tweet with the uh, the Bill Murray walking in the majestic. That's funny, right? Walk in. Yeah, no, it was great. Funny. It was great. I, I love the whole thing, including the ending, okay. which I'm sure is probably different. No. Listen, we got a big show, uh, and we've got a very familiar voice here riding along with us. Mary Catherine Ham, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, we figured during the holiday season, you need a little something to get uh, over the top. You got to be a little bit more sort of enthusiastic than people usually are at the end of the year. And, like, you're probably the only way we can do that. Yeah, you got to bring in the ringers. Because I'm <laughs> still working. You. Everyone else has checked out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you made that abundantly clear. You made it abundantly clear. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I got a plan. I got game plans. I'm lateraling for no reason. Yeah. Oh, it, that's what you guys could have used. Yeah, the, the, right. the, the Patriots and the Raiders game, which real is tough, Real tough deal. Yeah. I don't, I don't watch a lot of NFL football because I'm a Lions fan. So, uh, like, well, you know you what? Know. You got something to cheer about now. I know. You really like, do. Every, every now and then. Every now. I'd started with Matty Stafford. Yeah. He got me on board. And then I was like, well, no one's going to think I'm bandwagoning. Is that your Georgia thing? Yeah. 
my See, Georgia thing. Georgia you mean thing. my education and my diploma? The Georgia thing. <laughs> In the field of journalisming? Oh, yes, 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 yes. The yes. Georgia Journalism School, of which yes. you, many renowned graduates, but uh, are you the only uh, member of a CNN team on the Georgia? Uh, Am I? Uh, no, Alice uh, Stewart is also. Oh, UGA. Good dogs. Yeah. Okay. Well, I there's wouldn't imagine they had a lot of people from the South, but uh, congratulations. Yeah, there's two, two of us. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, listen, we're so happy to have you. Thank you for coming in. And, you know, we should probably make no, you're pretty close to uh, delivering a baby. Yes. Here. It could. It really could happen any minute. Like so, at, this, mo- at yeah. this moment? Like what's the game plan if it goes down right now? I mean, look, I don't have a large window because <laughs> this is my fourth kid. Um, so I did tell everybody like you know if it happens i'm probably gonna have to leave jump in the car unless do, one of you is a first responder do it would smug is if, first if, responder. I, if i could have one suggestion try to wait until january because because <laughs> if you're born right around christmas everyone's like here's your christmas and birthday present and it's like oh it's man it's true but i need a tax break before then <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah there you go <laughs> there come you on go. kid you got the mother counting <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at that point, just induce. You know, think about the bottom line here. It's true. It's thousands of dollars. No, it's a big deal. Says a man who's never been induced. For <laughs> By the way, it's so nice to see you, Duncan. Your physique has been going one direction and mine the other. The other way. I'm, yeah. I'm here, forty pounds up. Like, what's up? Instagram, Duncan. Yeah, that's right. He's uh, no. We're gonna have a calendar sometime in the new year. You'll love it. <laughs> Um, but seriously, thank you for coming in. I, I know course. it can't be easy at this at this stage of pregnancy. I, I, need, wa- I need watering stations. You look terrific. <laughs> thank you. Honestly, I wouldn't have even bet you were within a country mile of actually delivering. Thank it turns out right around the corner. Yep. Huh. How about that? Yeah, January 1st due date. So I might. There you go. January, although I will be ticked. Uh, but they usually come early. So, <laughs> well, uh, as we gather here today, uh, it is our good friend Michael Duncan's birthday. Yes, Woo. such you're, a wonderful occasion. You're an old man. I am, thirty six. <laughs> you're officially like over that hump, where it's like, oh well, you know, you're not. Re- you're kind of still in your mid thirties, but you're on that other side. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the back end of it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Do you consider yourself a responsible adult at this point? I would hope so. Hope and knowing are kind of two different. things, I mean, I right? think so. Yeah, yeah. Like you can provide for your family. I'm maybe. providing for my family. And I, I, I would 100 sign up for that. I mean, like. He definitely, um, among, well, I think y'all all have it together pretty well. But, like, anytime you visit Duncan's, it's very clear this is a man who's taking care of the homestead. I'm in control of my domain. Control. Yeah. Kids are doing a great job. <laughs> I mean, you really had all the dials spinning last week. You had sick kids and everything else. And yeah. Yeah. A lot nothing of, makes you feel older than that. High fevers and things like that. Everybody's it, got that. It really Your makes. Kids have that, Mary Catherine? Yeah. Look, I don't want to jinx it because I'm. About yeah, to yeah, have yeah. yet another child, but we've been doing all kinds of things. Have you? Nice. Have you been locking them in cages? Is, uh, how does that work? Because I, I feel like every time no. my kid goes out the front door, it comes home with a. Fever. I don't know what it is. I guess they're just. Kids are resilient, are as tough. they say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it might be that I just, you know, sent them out into the world from 2020 to 22 and was That's like, it. good luck. I think Get the germs. They've got like the titanium immune system at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. we were never. They've upgraded. It. I think that's right. You know, I mean, because I had a newborn during the whole COVID thing. So we actually had to yeah. lock it down because we didn't know anything. So we, we basically did lock it down. And then the back end of it. Now I feel like you get back into the school year. I mean, my God, kids are just sick all the time. Yeah, I, it's a, I think it's the RSV thing, right? 
it's the flu it's rsv it's a you know whatever covid variant and they kind of mix and match them and throw them in there and it's a tridemic <laughs> yeah that's that's the term for it that's wait, the new thing we're wait, doing that, seriously that's, that's a, a thing? thing that we're trying to make happen but come on i don't think we should make that happen tridemic that's what they're saying. It's, That's, it's a tridemic of the vaccinated. Because it, <laughs> <laughs> because you see, it sounds scarier that way. So. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at all. Flu, Look. RSV, COVID. <gasps> oh. you, you know, we should just jump right into this topic first then is, so this is something I'm sure everyone at this table is very aware of, is the shortages. When you go to the drugstore, antibiotics, drug shortages. Well, you get right access. into the meat. Right. Huh? This, I mean, this is serious. So, you know, I think the vast majority of our listeners uh, clearly would be concerned about this. It says antibiotic drug shortages highlight America's supply chain problems. Again, this is from Axios. Uh, it says it highlights the U.S. vulnerabilities yet again when it comes to its ability to supply some of the most basic healthcare products, even children's Motrin. Yeah. Which has to be horrific. I experienced all of this in the last week. Oof. So, first of all, um, yeah, like our three-year-old had just this crazy, crazy fever. It got up to 104. Oh, my God. And uh, he got this, uh, like, amoxicillin plus something else. I can't remember what it's called, but okay. it's like sort of like super amoxicillin because uh-huh. he had just this terrible, terrible ear infection. It was crazy. And, like, three drugstores didn't have it. Yep. And then, like, finally my wife got to one that had it, and they were like, actually, we just ran out of it, but we'll put it in another one, which then I had to drive to. And it took them like over an hour to fill it. Oh. And like that was just for like one medication, let alone the Motrin, which is like, you know, Tylenol is good for fevers. But like with real high fever, at least what I'm told, like really high fevers, Motrin is what's best. And you're supposed, supposed to basically like alternate them, you know, a little mm, Tylenol yeah. and then it overlaps the Motrin. And you go back to the Tylenol. Yeah, yada, six yada. and four hour. Yeah, six yeah. and four hour. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, hard to get See, the I'm Motrin. See, I'm an expert on this too. And then the other thing is the, is the, the covers for like the ear thermometer. Mm-hmm. Like couldn't find them anywhere anywhere there's shortages all over the place if you have a kid i'm sure you know if you're listening to this yeah uh, it's we have, terrible we have a baby and this one on the way because i'm insane and uh, <laughs> and so i have a little stash of infant tylenol yeah, yeah. uh and a stash of formula because mm. that's still a problem yeah wow. uh not enough to come at me i'm like reba and trimmers okay you can't come at me <laughs> i've got I've got other yeah. things stashed as well, okay? You planned ahead. So don't try to steal. But uh, that's what you have to do now. Honestly, you know, you bring that up. I'm surprised, Duncan. I thought survivalist Duncan so would have, like, I, I've I, got tourniquets and I children did. and ibuprofen. But you know that... They probably that, run through it. The children's Tylenol actually goes bad after two years. Did you Does know this? Does it really? Shh, don't tell me that. It's not important. It, <laughs> yeah. So, know, it's I my think fourth kid. Bullshit. You think it is? I, I think it, it's it, 100%. So I Googled it. I Googled it and people said it was bullshit, but like I didn't want to like... Take well, you don't want to test just, that out on your kid. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Like if the fever wasn't 104, maybe I would risk it. Fair. Yeah. But like it needed to work. Right. I was like, bring in the high test The older ones, I'm just chopping up adult pills. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. They can Hey, k- hey, kids, snort this. <laughs> Why does mommy have a rolled up $100 bill? It's not important, girls. <laughs> <laughs> mommy has a pass just like everyone else. <laughs> no, but it is. I mean, honestly, it's it's. you go to a CVS anywhere, and I imagine this is most population centers across this country. I talked to a couple of friends out west. They said the same thing. You go into like the, the aisle where you're finding trying to find children's yeah. cold medication or whatever, and the thing looks like it's Ethiopia. Yeah. I mean, there's there's literally nothing in there. And I mean, 
how have we not remedied this situation? Well, that's the article goes into it a little bit, but it's essentially the 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 past decade of of kind of like neoliberal economic policy of globalism is like, well, you know, we don't need factories in America to do this. The UK, Germany are going through the same thing. It's like, okay, now they're depending on other countries, developing countries, which are like, okay, we'll build a factory for it and we'll sell it. Right. And now we're depending on like ships from across the world to slowly make their way over for our most basic needs. But I, I also saw, and maybe it was in this article, but I, I also saw that they were, they'd sort of do guesstimates every year, right? Where they're like, well, how much are we going to need to produce? Which, you know, I guess that makes sense. It's a private company. they got to figure that out. But they estimated that there would be some increase after the COVID mm-hmm. lockdown years. Well, yeah. I mean, can't you imagine? I mean, I don't think you have to actually be a, a scientist to figure out that kids are going to get super sick after they've been sitting at home for two years. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps pausing all of civilization or attempting to was not a great idea. <laughs> right, but the form- like I know we hate capitalism, but like pushing the pause button and then trying to crank it back up was not. But the formula thing ideal. is the most incredible to me because, like, unlike the medicine, where like okay, maybe they couldn't foresee like the rise of RSV to like seven x what it was. They should have, right? But maybe they couldn't have figured that part out. But like. Biden was doing airlifts of formula like so nine ridiculous. months ago and being like, you fixed know, the fixed it, all done, all better. And it's still not, not at all. I mean, I, I, you go to walk in any CVS, they have like signs up that say, you know, limit one per customer and the whole shelf is empty. Holy and, it's, and it's also protectionism. This, there's, there wasn't European formula allowed here right. because of labeling issues. Oh, and I man. asked an FDA, former FDA guy, uh, on the radio, like, well, now that now that it's coming in, appreciate it. Um, can we just stick with that since it's not unsafe? Right. And like, he's like, well, labeling is very important. Oh my god! <laughs> like a real company man, are you? <laughs> stick to the story. I got it. I, feel I think like we'll be okay. I think the other problem, though, is like, you know, you know our neighbors and you know the people who live in the Washington D.C. area. And they're all still virtually shopping with their deliveries. And I think there's more hoarding that goes on here than anywhere else. Oh, yeah. No you know question. what I mean? No question. No it's question. Like they, they still want a double mask That's and never leave the house. That's why I say little house. stash. Emphasize little stash. Little I'm stash. not hurting any of the rest. <laughs> right, right. Right. Nobody's going to come for you. I promise. <laughs> I'm going to come for no. you soon, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm running low over here. <laughs> Share the wealth. I think what's remarkable, though, is that is how little people talk about it in yeah. the news cycle. Right. There's very little... There are not very many questions for KJP. There's not a lot of discussion for the White House. Uh, right? Just like, ah, you know, kids don't have antibiotics or formula. That yeah. seems like a large deal. Just like closing schools seemed like a large deal, but everyone's like, eh. You know, I was, I was I was really thinking about that this past weekend, you know, when you had all this, like, drama with, like, journos being like, oh, my God, it's, it's our last day on Earth because we were, like, banned for 10 minutes from Twitter. But if you think about journalism, like, you know, I'll sound like an old man, but, like, Peter Jennings' days. Right, you would have seen that every night. Yeah, kids can't get medication every night. That'd be on the news. Yeah, now it's just like one side saying the other is horrible. Yeah, and there's still places you get like you know Brett Bear. I think does a great job. Oh, on absolutely, covers this kind of stuff. But you're right. I mean, the vast majority of it is just completely absent. They're like talking about Elon's latest yeah. decision on Twitter. Like, than, how does that affect top, your, top your average American yeah. more than like okay, my kid is sick and I can't find uh, medication. I can't get a thermometer. To help my kid. That seems like a, a, a far more important issue. Totally. Like half the news is going to be dedicated to just like, like MSNBC I think is a prime example. Like I can't remember which account was just showcasing what their top stories were. 
And it was just like Lincoln Project bullshit for an <laughs> just, hour. Just reading Lincoln Project tweets. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. But not in a fun way. Yeah. And are like, they still around? Does that still, does it still exist? I mean, until the feds kick in the doors, and I don't think they are anytime soon. They're still there, huh? Yeah, that's surprising. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. It's. I mean, how about meeting the guy that still scratch, uh, scratches the check for Lincoln Project? Like, I'd like to meet that guy. Yeah, end of your giving Lincoln Project guy. <laughs> right. Wow. It's like, well, I got an extra couple million here. I can't think of a more deserving place to go <laughs> than these assholes. Who needs solar panels on their lodge? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, so one thing I wanted to revisit because you, as you always are, a very thoughtful guest. I try. And you've brought us a gift. I did. And it's very topical because last episode we talked about the brotherhood of the traveling brooch, which, uh, John, perhaps, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd like to weigh in on this because this is about you. Um, we have received from Mary Catherine Ham. Our very own <laughs> replica of the brooch that you've bestowed upon your wife some years ago. Straight from Congress. This is, this is an authentic one. Oh, I got it authentic from one. the gift shop. It was the whole to-do. Yeah. Because, you, know, you know, if you're not an important staff member, you can't just waltz in there. <laughs> this might be the most thoughtful gift we've ever received in the variety program. <laughs> I mean, and I'm, I'm not kidding. And it's actually, it, the quality, if you look at this thing, the quality is tip-top. I mean, it is much, much better than the gold-painted plastic I gotta ruby say, It was more elephant. classy than I wanted it to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad brooch, let's be honest did you say? Did you say, do you have anything less classy that we can... <laughs> well, I had, to, I had to send an envoy, so my friend Emily Dominic, shout out, thank you, uh, ran over to grab it for me. <laughs> Uh, because there's a whole thing you got to like make appointments and stuff, and I really? got this whole baby inside me. I can't do that. So she got, she ran and got it for me, and I didn't want to instruct her to you know window shop for brooches. <laughs> <laughs> so just take the one they got. Well, you want to ask her just to see you know if there were several brooches available. I mean, this is clearly a class. I, look, I looked online beforehand. This was all that was available, and they told me I had to buy it online because apparently it's a very exclusive situation. There's a lot of it's like such a government thing, right? It is. Like, well, you can't really come to the gift shop, and then you got to online buy it, but somebody can pick it up for I was like, great, awesome. <laughs> you, so, so, like, we have an extremely simple process, so we're going to add 20 steps. We're the U.S. government. <laughs> they were they were actually helpful, though. I will give them that. Were, yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine the clerk. I just, I would love to see the clerk at, at the House of Representatives store where you come in and you're like, I need a brooch. No, and I'm sure Emily rolls in. She's very stylish. And Lee's like, mm, you sure you want the brooch? I got, I got a Lincoln Day dinner coming up. What do you, what do you want me to do? Go without a brooch? Well, yeah. If any of you is in a pinch this Christmas, there you go. Well, you know, the, the, the good news is, so actually, we, we uh, my wife and I went on a hunt for the original brooch. No kidding. And what do you know? It's nowhere to be found. Yeah, I, 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 She discarded it. That's a collector's item. I have a feeling it was thrown out. That was lost shortly, in the moon. Shortly thereafter. Yeah, exactly. That exactly. was definitely lost. You want to take a picture of this smug and tweet it out because oh, this, this sucker is That's just going out with the episode. A very thoughtful gift from Mary Catherine Ham. Thank you. You're welcome. Somewhere that, that elephant is shining on a Goodwill shelf yeah, no, to this yes, day. Right, right, right. I, I guarantee you it's in somebody's uh, jewelry cabinet. They're going to be right. wearing it in February. Could be. It might be at the bottom <laughs> of the Potomac, too. We, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we don't know. You never know. Speaking of uh, uh, tweeting that out, uh, you guys see this tweet? from elon musk of being like he, he put out a poll of should i run twitter yeah yes or no 
Numbers aren't looking great for him. I think he's down by 10 points. Yeah, he abides by these things. Yeah, and he was yeah, like, when this does is this poll end? That's a, that's, that's a real scientific question. How long do I give myself to get <laughs> fired or not? So I think early voting's over. Uh, it's up to like 7 million votes. I think later today, Monday, it will end. And uh, 7 million votes have been cast. It's looking like he's down by 10 points. And he says, I will abide uh, by these uh, results. It says, okay, so, oh no, it actually closed. It's It's closed. Uh, and it says 57.5% of more than 17 million, it's up to 17 million, wow, responses calling Musk to step down. He later added, as the saying goes, be careful of what you wish as you might get it. Mm. And again, you know, it's important to note this doesn't mean relinquishing ownership, just, you know, day-to-day management kind of running Twitter. Well, so, I mean, look, this is the backstory of this for those of you who don't follow this shit, and God bless you if you don't, because <laughs> it's just like the last 72 hours have been unbelievable last week honestly yeah it's just been incredible so you know we've covered all the elon news up to this point but over the weekend uh, a few journos got their accounts suspended right and like i didn't follow all the ins and outs and why they all got but it started basically with them doxing elon in his own his location so so i'm gonna i'm gonna give a little bit of uh details on this so there was an account i I believe it's called like elon jet or something um, where this kid was basically tracking and, and saying exactly where Elon's jet was, where it landed, what time, all in all in real time, who's giving this information. And a lot of journals were like, oh, hey, this is publicly available information. That was That's fake news from them. That's absolute misinformation. It is not publicly available because every month the FAA, because Elon has security threats, security you know threats on his life, they uh, assign him a, a different, you know, kind of like a hidden number once a month for his plane. Well, he's the world's richest man, right? So you can understand why some security precautions might be taken. And there. so this kid had to go on, do like reverse engineering and and, 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 and and crack the numbers to get this information once a month. So it's no not publicly available. It's not you like can't you can go like, just website. go to FlightAware and see Elon's nope, jet. Absolutely not. You okay. have to it require reverse engineering. So like all the journalists were like, this is publicly available information. It absolutely is not. Further, the reason uh, for specific alarm uh, at, at this time is because uh, Elon's baby, I believe it was Los Angeles, um, uh, the car that the child was being transported on had someone run up and jump on it, like stop the car in front of it, run up and jump on it because they had gotten the information from the account. We're hoping that Elon was in the car. God knows what they were going to do. They're dressed like, you know, hoodie with a mask on. Ninja like, style. Like, you know, ready to cause trouble. So if, if you know, I were a parent... And it was very clear someone's attacking the car transporting my child. It's very, it's abundantly clear. This is not like journalists who say like, oh my goodness, you know, if conservatives are allowed to speak, this is going to cause violence. Well, that's, that's Wars right. Wars are violence. Mm-hmm. This is actual violence. Well, and, that, and that's, that's the thing that's so ironic about all of this, right? Smug, it's like every liberal uh, pundit who's tried to suppress conservative speech on Twitter has said that these words lead to real world harm yep. and violence and now suddenly they're huge free speech advocates yeah. wouldn't you know all, all of a sudden they're like no we should be allowed to <laughs> and so like a certain number of these journalists were like uh retweeting quote retweeting or, or even pushing out the information themselves from this account that was giving real-time information on elon's location and so he was like nope you're getting suspended which i mean imagine uh, like uh, uh I know there's always, and I think it's somewhat self-defeating, the conservative argument of, like, imagine if someone gave AOC's real-time location. Because you never can depend on the left to have any kind of 
you know, intellectual consistency right. to their argument. I think you just have to punish them. Right. They understand yeah, what Yeah, we all thing, have different takes on this. I'm interested in you, MK. What do you got? Yeah, so I, have, I haven't dug deep enough on the doxing thing to see how real <clears> it is, but I think the, the bottom line is with Twitter, you need just a couple of rules. They need to be very clear in public. You need to be open about why you suspend people and how, how long each of those punishments is, and then rectify as much as possible. Just give you, like, wide latitude mm-hmm. for speech. I think there's certainly an argument to be made that, like, the real-time doxing from the jet kid, at least, yeah. is probably a violation. Seems problematic. And, like, the drama. Yeah. <laughs> there have been so many suspensions unexplained for huge periods of time of people on our side that I couldn't even keep up with them. I felt guilty because I couldn't tweet every time and be like, hey, so-and-so is in timeout. Can we right. bring him back? Um, and now it's like, oh, my God. Democracy is on the line. Well, isn't it so? What I found so fascinating was that all of the journals who were then reporting on all of these people who were, and what was it, like five or six? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it really was not a huge number. Right. But wh- whoever it and was. And this is not Walter Cronkite type folks. No, but they're all reporting on like this unprecedented. Like I remember yeah, the like Axios had this. Happened. It's unprecedented like attack on journalism. Yeah, they just in this suspended country. an entire newspaper. But but then they're sort of telling exactly. themselves. But, exactly. Exactly. But they, they tell them themselves in the course of the reporting because they're like, what they're saying and why they suspended people like this has been going on for five this is our whole point this is elon's right. whole point yeah. right they're, they're proving like, they're proving our point but yeah. they, but it like never occurred to them before to, before friday no it's occurred no, to them it's occurred to them they don't give a shit because they're huge hypocrites yeah. they don't actually fucking care they don't care they spent six hours being treated by like regular people on twitter and they lost their fucking minds yeah. they created a wikipedia page calling it the thursday night massacre because oh they had to get um, an automated email that said your account is suspended Oh my God! <laughs> Welcome to the rest of the world. Everybody gets that fucking email. Is you're not some special little snowflake? I'm was, sorry, because you're a disinformation reporter for NBC News. Th- th- there was some I can't remember which left wing account was like, "This is our crystal knot." And I was oh like, oh, my oh God, no way! I'm dead serious. Are you and kidding they were me? That That's over that, the top. Someone did say that. that I, they are that over the top. Also, like I don't want these dum dums gone. Like if the Aaron Rupar's great content, if they're off Twitter, then like most of the people whose job it was to watch me on CNN are like, (laughs) media matters is great for me. I appreciated my media matters stalkers, and now they're gone. Well, a lot of the minions expressed grave concerns about the future of the Ruthless Variety program if we we didn't have have these people. I mean, they're they these people. Yeah, it it would really impact King of the Hill, King of the Hill, and uh, uh, Hack Madness. But for me, I I I was uh, I agree with uh, Mary Catherine where. Uh, I would love to see how long the suspension is for because I was like spiking the football so hard when Taylor Lawrence is like, people are like, oh, she's been permanently suspended. And I was like, yes, <laughs> the day of reckoning and justice is upon us. <laughs> what a wonderful day. And then it comes out, she's suspended for like 10 minutes. And yeah. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, no, you, you have your view of all of these things, Smug, is basically like you want full retribution. It has to be retribution because like the thing is, is that I think just like Duncan pointed out, there is no you know, belief in, in, oh, we can't be hypocrites on the left. There's no intellectual consistency in their thinking. The only thing that they understand is punishment. Well, I mean, there wasn't any liberals out there publicly saying that Twitter made a mistake by banning all these conservatives for five years. Well, no, right, right. There's no intellectual con- No, but not only that, but they, they didn't actually even take up the topic. Right. No. It's co- just constant it, justification or it doesn't matter. There, It is amazing to me. I know I shouldn't be surprised. But in an industry of actual alleged journalists, yeah. right. not 
one damn person cares about free speech. No, they, no. And they, they assume, they really assume, there's like, well, this is good. The, this blocking, systematically blocking these viewpoints <laughs> is good. And there's not anything I could possibly learn from them because I am a journalism major from Columbia. But, it's like, well, <laughs> maybe you're missing something. Here's the thing is, is I think that they have built their belief system on a, on a very pragmatic basis. Because for so long, they were like a protected class because they were just completely aligned with the regime, right? They were like, if, if we just stand with big tech, if we stand with the left on this, if we say, yes, the election was stolen from Hillary, but then all of a sudden say elections can never be stolen, and then all of a sudden say, you know, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop is misinformation, the New York Post, you know, august 200-year-old publication definitely should be banned. As long as they remained just talking heads in full support of the regime, especially the one that they had in place at Twitter under uh, Vijay, when it was basically just like a left-wing organization, yeah. they benefited. They got their book deals, pushing all the like pro, like the Russia Trump bullshit. They did tremendously well. So their understanding of what journalism is is not journalism. It's what gets your career ahead in a time when you have absolute control over the entire speech that's no you're right online. smug you're right and the irony of it is that if you boil it all down what it amounts to is protecting government and protecting yep. the in insulating the the most powerful people in the country which is the funny part right because isn't that journalism in a nutshell it's like NBD holding guys, people accountable it's just the fbi meeting weekly to <laughs> shut down regular political speech of regular americans with like seven followers i don't understand why that could be a problem and, and that was the thing is like the utter lack of not just intellectual consistency but even uh you know uh, any level of uh, self-actualization or, or, or self-awareness when taylor lorenz tweets out talking about uh, uh barry weiss when she tweeted out the the twitter things uh taylor lorenz is like wow i can't believe a rich person would serve you know, a rich person's interest and try to block speech from the opposing side. And it's what like, that's it? what you built your career on. You went to like 100,000 a year Swiss boarding school <laughs> and you've been at the New York Times and the Washington Post doing everything you can to defend, you know, the Biden regime and, and big tech. This lady. She, she's something else. Girl. I mean, what, is she a girl? Because I think she's yeah, like 65 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like honestly, the ageism is the only thing that has, you know, that you can say, Elon, okay, you can't attack the elderly in such a fashion. <laughs> like, that's the only defense for Taylor. <laughs> I believe her argument at one point was that, before she just like changed her story, was that the Swiss boarding school actually made her very aware of her privilege. Oh. And therefore, that's, that's yeah. how it all works, you sure. see. Her as long as you're in the Alps and being her. like, yeah, things are great, you're fine. <laughs> it stuns me that she still has a gig, by she the way. She was just a communist behind enemy lines 100%. at the Swiss boarding school learning how the rich people worked. And that's how she... Okay. That's solidarity. You don't understand. Like, you it's don't complicated. Understand. You're in Stadt, Apres Ski, and you're like, you know what? Apres Ski! I know how, I know how the downtrodden feel. <laughs> and there you go. That's it. Like, these people are just monsters. Apres Ski and Stadt has me rolling. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's so good but it's so true i mean this lady of all people i mean didn't the post just have a whole bunch of layoffs yep yeah didn't they just like lay off a whole bunch of people wow another christmas miracle i don't know if they've announced all of them not yet. enough not enough but somehow i mean she's still rolling and like ruben's still rolling yeah. Like, who are you fucking... I want to know... Again, thank God. I want to I know... Oh, that's right. ...who in the Washington Post 
lost their job here this Christmas season and has to look over at Jen Rubin and Taylor Lawrence yeah. Yeah. and are like, um, imagine if only I could do it that good. Yeah, imagine. Should have spent a little more time DMing 17-year-old TikTokers. Oh, oh, imagine imagine, imagine? imagine oh. that walk. No. Carrying the banker's box. Oh, man. And you look over. You got and, the one plant and the plants in the top of it. And ta- Taylor Lawrence is doing a TikTok dance, <laughs> you know, with her phone propped up. And then the corner office, you got Ruben. There's 40 cats in there. <laughs> She's just trying to come up with the worst. She's got Clayne on the on She's the got speed Clayne, dial. Clayne on Zoom. <laughs> like, okay, it's about to go. Hit retweet, Clayne. He's like, I got you. It when is you, unbelievable. You, when, 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 uh, now you mentioned it. When did the layoffs go down? I don't. Maybe Ashbrook knows. I have. I literally thought that they were. Ashbrook is friends with thing. everyone at Wapo, right? He's a Wapo. Yeah, guy. no, he's a big, big journal guy. Well, what, <laughs> what we saw was a town hall. You guys saw this town hall where the Zoomers were attacking Fred Ryan because he was just oh, telling them right. what was that's about it. to And they were happen. barking at him like it was a press conference. A, 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 yeah, exactly, exactly. It, and he said, "This isn't a grievance session," and they just lost their minds. <laughs> And um, they're like, what struggle sessions have been our job? Like, (laughs) that's what we do. I I don't think the moves have actually happened yet. Okay. So they're in the works. It's in the works. Well, you know, how's me thinking is like, okay, you think about the ownership of WAPO. That's that's Bezos, right? Uh, That's a good billionaire, though. So don't, you know, there was a headline. Good billionaires and there's bad billionaires. They're like, well, it's okay. Elon's the bad one. There was a headline today that said that Bezos is losing interest in the the post. You know why I think Novelty is wearing off. Is uh, so today I had another one of those horror days when I'm going through uh, my 401ks and I'm looking through, thinking about how I want to rebalance at the end of the year. <laughs> you know, you know, Amazon stock has been cut in half this year. I didn't a significant know that. portion of Bezos's wealth is Amazon stock. It's been chopped in half. Today it hit a level it had not hit since March of 2019. Even worse Whoa, than 2020. Really? Wow. Yes. Pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. Yikes. So I mean, that's giving me some thought of like, well, he's got to be. Okay, what's more important? I got to bankroll this crazy lady's he wants lifestyle. The ne- he's got to go or listen to the next thing. Deal with Wapo. Yeah. Wow. He's got some jobs at Wapo. No, it's it's crazy how they're all treated so differently. Like SBF was a genius until yep. you know. Now it's like, oh, right. I met him at a college party one time, but I didn't really know him. Uh, taking millions of dollars from yeah, him. Yeah. Then Elon Musk buys his own company with his own money, mm-hmm. right. and they're like, holy crap, we gotta. This is a this is, democracy's dead well. now. <laughs> I mean, I listened to, there was this uh, thing on, I probably saw it on like Instagram or something, but it was Ken Griffin that was addressing the old SBF thing. And he's like, you know, you consider the fact that they had a line item in their budget that just said Trump lose, (laughs) right? That was in in their accounting that just said Trump lose. And he became the second largest donor to Democratic campaigns and causes during the course of the 2022 election. And yet somehow regulators missed all of the fraud that happened. So strange. strange Isn't that, that weird? Yeah. Strange how that and, happened. And the stories in the aftermath of where, like, rightfully, you've had a lot of folks call for the money to be returned. Because, what money? It just evaporated. Well, well, this is the thing. It's like the money that's been donated to campaigns, they should return. And I think, again, it should be like a Madoff situation where you've got a regulator in place to claw back funds and try to make victims whole. Because these are oh, victims. interesting. There's so many victims out there. Well, they tried to do that with Weinstein too, and there was a not a lot of receptivity from the Democratic Party. Well, same thing. Yeah. Like, like w- when they take dirty money, all of a sudden, well, they make sure it doesn't hit their news stations. Yeah, They're like oh, it's it, you will not see a single mention of any of that on MSNBC. But uh, I can't remember which. Uh, uh, it was Brett Baer uh, on his show. They mentioned there was a Dem Congress uh, member who 
when asked, like, are you going to give uh, the money back? Like, oh, I got rid of it. They gave it to another Dem in Congress. Oh, really? This is unbelievable. We just laundered it. Because that's the thing is, like, <laughs> this money was straight up stolen from victims. Yep. And they're just like, oh, you know, uh, I just passed it. Or yep. if they say, like, uh, I gave it to a charity, how about you give it to a trust for the clawback to make these victims whole? Because, like, Madoff, a significant portion of that money has been clawed back by Irving Picard, who was in charge of, of getting that money back from everyone who had been swindled. That's what this situation is, and it's bigger than Madoff. Now it's we got to deal multiples. with the real evil of Elon Musk spending his own money. It's the that's thing. The, that's the thing. Is like, meanwhile, there's like guys with three failed political consultancies on Twitter who are like, "I can't believe your company sucks this much, man." Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Still, like, I don't have to be an Elon stan. He doesn't have to be everything to me. But like, he did. He does land the rockets and stuff. <laughs> he built the cars. He lands the rockets. Uh, all right. So we're gonna get into some monkey news. You ready for this? I don't know. I don't know that you are either, <laughs> to be honest with you. But anybody who's followed the show knows how into this stuff we are. NBC News reports how the race for a COVID vaccine enriched monkey poachers and endangered macaque. Uh, the monkey variety. <laughs> M-A-C-A-Q-U-E-S. So NBC decides to weigh in on the COVID uh, scandal and the monkeys are the victim. Yeah. <laughs> macaque is the take. victim. That's the first, amazing. The first time NBC weighs in, they find one victim, and it's monkeys. It's monkey. Are you kidding me? It's not. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Of of That's all of unexpected of, take of all of the don't shouldn't shouldn't we test vaccines on monkeys before we give them to people the true victim now you got to give them to those masked head start three-year-olds they're not victims they are actually aggressors Uh, and macaque is the danger yeah it's always been very dangerous but in this case extremely so but no it turns out the insane demand coming from you the u.s is driving the trade to unsustainable levels, said uh, Marlene Friss Hansen, the director of the Long-Tailed Macaque Project. <laughs> it's a dirty business, and it's extremely difficult to get to the bottom of. As At least it's long. You know, McDaniel really picked this. <laughs> McDaniel was just hand-picking quotes to make this not a family program. I, I'm so glad I wasn't taking a drink when you said that, because I would have spit it all <laughs> over this table. Uh, yep, that's fair. It's a dirty business, is what they is what they said. But it, it turns out uh, NBC's gravely offended by the well, vaccine I'll, being. I'll tell you what: when Fauci's calling the shots, some some animal's gonna die. You can choose if it's beagles or if it's monkeys. Listen, or it, the rest of us. I, oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Best take. We <laughs> This is fantastic. You're going to get a permanent chair here. <laughs> Honestly, I take I take uh, monkeys dying over beagles. So, but listen to the this. Beagles are charming animal. Monkeys, I mean, ninety percent of the time, they're causing problems. Well, we've reported we know, on we all know of about this. Yeah, yeah. We know. Just ask any Japanese person, you know. Yeah, they're all over the streets. They're winging newborns off the top of the uh, yeah. buildings over yeah. there in the in Southeast Asia. They're a menace. Well, but it turns out with uh, demand soaring, the price of monkeys has skyrocketed. A single long-tailed macaque could fetch forty thousand wow. dollars at the height of the pandemic. Okay, up from three thousand dollars a couple of years earlier. Boy, that is big money. A forty grand macaque. I mean, OnlyFans is. Uh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is big money. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> 
OnlyFans uh, amongst the monkey population is apparently quite a money giver. It sounds out in 2019, Cambodia supplied 8,500 8, of the 33,000 research monkeys in the U.S., only 25%. The number of monkeys from Cambodia more than doubled to 18,000, making up nearly 60%. So they're all coming from Cambodia, but isn't that the place where the, the trouble was at anyway? I mean, it's a hell of a way. So, just uh, you know, uh, looking at some math here, if you've got eighty five hundred monkeys that you're selling for forty k a pop, that's three hundred forty million dollars. Wow! In monkeys, so there's there's like the the monkey king of Cambodia who's sitting in like uh, Escobar Palace, being like those monkeys. They were great for business. We need to find like the masterworks of monkey trades. But, like he brought he brought back yeah, the monkey business great. yacht. Like there's a monkey business yacht now in Cambodia. <laughs> monkey business. <yacht. laughs> Wasn't that the Gary Hart That's yacht? Yeah, Gary yep, the Gary Hart. Hart. The Gary Hart yacht. <laughs> nice for those pull. of you uh, in 1988 presidential <laughs> election, we just dated the shit out of everything. But if you read the book, you get if it. If you read right? what it takes, there you go. What it takes, yeah, so, which is a highly recommended book on Smug's list. But it so it turns out uh, Cambodia has faced accusations of mon- monkey laundering. Uh, <laughs> I don't eat it. it, it <laughs> but, <laughs> how about? I mean, why wouldn't they sell the monkeys? I, I got to be honest. Like, why isn't Japan selling these monkeys? Well, you got to clean macaque. That's just part of the deal. It's 2015 oh research arm <laughs> sites called uh, the Species Survival Network submitted a document to the convention that said uh, field investigations in Cambodia found that long-tailed macaques were being trapped without permits in two provinces and transferred to breeding farms. So it turns out like we're, we're I guess we're the problem with the vaccine. Now. This seems like such a great business model. So maybe all of the problems <laughs> that we've been having with the monkeys are as a result of all this. That, that's a good point. Right? But what a business model. I mean, if you think about 340 million made, right? And that's the thing is like you got, you got breeding farms. So let's just keep the monkey business it, rolling, dude. Like macaque <laughs> mills, if you will. <laughs> All right, all right. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta move on here. Uh, One thing that I wanted to get to because I thought we covered this. Nope. But you're claiming that we did. We did not. We did not. Um, You blamed yourself. You you blamed yourself for it. But it was about the Christmas trees. Correct. Obama was also to blame for the flight situation. But uh, this is according to WBUR. Uh, This is a Christmas tree shortage linked to the Great Recession. Which can directly be, you know, you can blame a bomb for this. It says, if you're just starting your Christmas decorating, you may have a harder time finding the perfect tree for your living room this year. Experts say the Christmas tree shortage has its roots in the Great Recession more than a decade ago when money was tight and many consumers trimmed back on holiday decorations, including trees. Growers, in turn, cut back on planting new ones. But now that the fully mature trees are ready to be harvested, there aren't enough to go around. Uh, Christmas trees nationwide have been in tight supply since 2016, said uh, Jill Sidebottom at the National Christmas Tree Association. Is that the same trade group that we've been covering? Yeah, dude, it's Tim O'Connor, that badass. Yeah. So she's she's the uh, spokesperson, or she's the executive director in O'Connor. What? Yeah, so I don't... It's, it's a, big, it's MK, a bigger we, association than, than we ever knew. We dealt with this... Uh, we did several episodes on Tim O'Connor. Right. Who runs the National Christmas Tree Association. And he was attacking fake, fake Christmas trees, saying that they were recycled from Chinese toilet brushes. Maybe. Well, yeah. here's the thing. Is is he going negative just to drive up prices a little more? 100% that, he is. If we're already in a problem here... He's doing his job. I mean, I mean, they've got, what, like a 30-day window? That's a Hallmark movie villain, if I've ever heard of one. <laughs> they've got a 30-day window to make their, like, annual income. 
Yeah. Of course he's going to play every trick. Uh, do you I don't have no toilet brush tree. No. Yours is a real one? Yeah. Good you, for you. So you Good got, for you. you. You have been real from the beginning. Real from the beginning. It's also a real pain in the ass and expensive. It's so expensive and a total pain <laughs> in the ass. But glorious. But worth it. And spirit filled. Uh, <laughs> it, it, Christmas, Christmas comes but once a year. Yes. You do the thing. <laughs> I mean, look, at some point I'm going to get back into this. It is just the first, I, when we first moved into our house, we got, you know, a very large real tree, which was beautiful and nice or whatever. Um, and then like a month later, I take it out. There is, it looks like an explosion of needles yep, all over my everywhere. house. Right? And you take it out the front door and it just strips the tree. It just strips <laughs> it. Absolutely. And all is in the, in like till March, you're dealing with the needles in that, in that joint. So we decided to do with the, the you know the fake tree. We and we shopped around for it, um, and I feel good about it. But you're telling me that like I can't feel good about. it? I mean, you have a fake tree. I do, hundred percent. Like I don't want to deal with it. And the thing is that I throw it away every year too. Oh my god! <laughs> you you buy goes. a new tro- Wait, toilet brush every year. <laughs> every year he needs a new he needs a new China toilet brush every year. The hell do I need a fake plastic you tree? You throw your fake up... tree away every year I'm... just as if it's a real one that you're throwing out after new. Are out, you out it goes. Out it goes. What the hell do I need that space for? Those are that takes up a lot of space. It's got you've got you've got from from Halloween to Christmas to shine, and then you're out. You're gone. Like like that's just dead space. I, I don't need that in my life. Do you throw it out fully decorated? I mean, I, I take the lights. You take the I'm lights. I'm cheap, but like anything, like the, the, the tinsel or whatever, that's all gone. <laughs> Goodbye. Who <laughs> <laughs> does that? <laughs> Certainly not Jill's side bottom. Christmas tree association. That's amazing. Jill's side bottom is so pissed. Um, okay. All right. So another climate change thing. We got to get onto this because this is like the craziest religion in the world, right? They come up with the craziest stuff. So this is um, the kid, Washington Post, mm. and their conclusion is basically that the kids are probably bad for the for climate. I mean, this, like all the that's the other thing is like I always say, conspiracy theories should now be called spoiler alerts because everyone's like, wow, the the, the libs and the environmentalists are just like a doom cult, and they're just like straight up. <laughs> Children bad for the climate. Uh, So according to this, the movement isn't huge, but has gained widespread attention. According to 2021 Pew Research Survey of childless adults, 5% of those cited a specific reason for not having children and said it was because of climate change. Good God. What (laughs) in the world? I don't think they have to worry about that problem. If you're like, I'm no, my number one topic is climate change, you probably are never going to have kids. But listen to this. This is something like serious people have to pay attention to. In a letter to investors last year, Morgan Stanley analysts noted that the movement, quote, movement to n- not have children owing to fears over climate change is growing and impacting fertility rates quicker than the preceding trend in the field of fertility decline. Good God. MK, help me out Look, here. This is what I I am. I'm going negative by having all these children. There you go. <laughs> this is how I contribute. No, it's also just the the treatment of this kind of philosophy. There was a New York Times piece also on the the guy who started the voluntary extinction movement oh. in Oregon. I think, of course, uh, I think that's correct. But the whole tone of the thing is just like this interesting man who has these interesting thoughts and it's like the equivalent on the right is rightly relegated it's QAnon it's crazy right it's a doom this is a 100% doom cult they're just like I mean it's just and then I I tweeted this and a bunch of people are like well he's saying voluntary extinction (laughs) 
It's not. It's not elim- eliminationist rhetoric like the right does. Like, oh my god. These. This is how they treat it because it's okay. Oh, it's, you, a, it's an intellectual discussion. Yeah, just doing it for the right reasons. Just the extinction of like the whole planet. <laughs> Let's get rid of everybody on the planet because the planet because the will planet. be better off. The I just wish these people off. would be honest with themselves and with us and just admit that they're extremely self-obsessed people who just don't want to have children and instead want to make everybody feel bad for having done the opposite. Well, the Because I feel like that's what it really is. And it, that's mm-hmm. fine. If you don't want to have kids, fine. But don't create some sort of moralist idea that you're somehow better than people and you're thinking about the fucking globe Get i mean it's just absurd well y- you know what i think that's uh, it's an overarching thing on the left of where so many of them have like mental problems or whatever that all this <laughs> all this woke shit is like i want to bring everyone to my level yeah no one should succeed i'm miserable it's very unfair it's supremacy if you are succeeding because i'm a horrible person i can't do shit <laughs> everyone no, should you, fail you guys have talked about this before but just like the worst is the parents who do have kids and then freak their children out right. yeah. about this. And I'm like, that is a parenting problem. Child abuse, man. Kids should not be waking up with climate nightmares. So, so, right. so to that point here, Camilla Thorndike, a 35-year-old who lives in Washington, D.C. Here we go. And is the director of the policy program for the National Climate Rewiring America. <laughs> Ah, she's been thinking about climate change and having children since she was in eighth grade. Oh, that's a a problem. Like, who are your parents? Thinking about climate change and having children when she was in the eighth... In eighth grade. Does that mean that she's had kids in the eighth grade? No, I think she... The implications thereof. Right, right. Her parents or whatever woke teachers put this idea in her head that in eighth grade... That if she's thinking about having children someday, it's really going to impact the globe. I thought maybe Thorndike was down to party, but it turns out, <laughs> turns out she's. Been- <laughs> the next line is crazy. It says other women have ended relationships over this question. Laurel, a 33 year old from Wisconsin, has to be identified only by her first name. Divorced her first husband probably wow. because he wanted to have children, and she worried about a climate change future. Didn't want Just to say you don't so, want to have kids. Like uh, that's it. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. No, way, none of us care. Is this? Is this an actual line from the WAPO? Excuse my ignorance, but in the notes, some women reject the framing that a child is a small karma bomb waiting to go off. <laughs> Please let that be in the actual That's in text. it. That's in it. It's in it. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's in it. it's of, count me as one of those women. <laughs> what, like like what, my child is a person. It's not a carbon bomb. Like carbon can you, bomb. Can you, can you imagine the thinking but, involved but, at this? The levels of derangement. But it's going your, on the birth certificate next week. Carbon <laughs> bomb. Yeah. To your point, that's not. <laughs> that's in, a great middle name. That's not a in great quotes. middle name. That's not in quotes. That's just written in the article. Right. Like that's just you an know? assertion yeah. by reporter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One who will definitely keep their job next week. That then is Jen the, Rubin and Taylor are watching everyone else leave the building. Like time for the takes to get hotter. Yeah. You know, the reporters are like. Oh, I don't feel great about it, but I think I have to throw carbon bombs here. Yeah. I gotta, there's no way I'm going to miss those layoffs yeah. unless I do. I need this job time to get crazier. There we go. Carbon bomb. That's what kids are. Unbelievable, right? I mean, this whole thing. At some point, we're going to have to come to grips with the fact that there is a massive mental health issue on the left. Yeah. I, I mean, I think in, in lockdowns exacerbated this to such an extent yes. where the only interaction, like I think TikTok is a huge part of this. Um, the only interaction a lot of these folks had for a very long time, longer than most, because even after lockdowns were lifted, even after masking mandates were lifted, you had folks who were still at home 
alone wearing masks. 99% of them were on the left. And their worldview gets, you can get so quickly warped when you don't actually interact with other humans. It's like the whole solitary confinement thing of like where you find, well, solitary confinement's not exactly the best thing for your mental health. Well, imagine that and you get bombarded with crazy ass left wing shit. And your information flow is uniquely like dumpster fire. Yeah, you're like Midas touch on Twitter and your brain's just getting microwaved. Well, what's amazing is like Camilla Thorndike she thinks I'm the weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're the carbon bomber. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, if you if you read the Washington Post, as many of these people do, they will have learned from Philip Bump last week that there were no lockdowns. Just so. Oh. Did he really yeah. claim that? Yeah. Just just a just a whole round of gaslighting going on. Wow. Over there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we Tell well, the kids We were not that. welded into our homes, and therefore. Oh, it was actually the act of welding that was. Yeah, the, I mean, it's, it wasn't Wuhan style. It was just like a broad government recommendation right. with law enforcement response that you not meet with more than ten people. Right, but they were they were, they were arresting people running on the beach alone. Yeah, you it's know? not a lockdown. People guys. were told they couldn't go to work in New York City. They were going to playgrounds and like filling them with sand, cutting down basketball like hoops to yeah. make sure that kids can't. Go out it's and insanity. do insanity, and it, it was traumatic. People are people are having trouble coming back from this, and it's actually sad. And you shouldn't. No, I know, I, you, can't, I know you can't yell people out of their anxiety, but I also want to just grab people by the lapels and be like, "It's okay, you can go <laughs> in the world." Yeah, my idea, my idea is that we get together all of the you know grocery store workers for some sort of wildcat strike against the people who are only ordering groceries for yeah. delivery at this point because i you know i go sh- i like going shopping yeah for my family well you seem like one that would i i take our three-year-old it's just a fun thing i do like most weekends it's not fun but you, it's something to get it, you out of the house it's a yeah it's a good way to get out of the yeah. house you know you burn a morning and he listen to it. some soft rock yeah yeah yes. you, you, you know a uh, friend of the program david Seawright, told me about this like amazing parent life hack that he has of where uh he has i think it's saturday mornings is uh, Daddy Daughter Day when he goes to Costco and buys all the meat that he's going to need yeah. for the week where he only pays attention to his one daughter. None of the other kids are like, <laughs> you know, she can't say that, oh, your attention is always on the kids. She gets to, I think she wears her like Elsa dress or whatever, yeah. gets in the car, sits in the cart while dad beats everyone to the traffic at Costco, buys his like 40 pounds of yeah. meat and ribs, whatever he it's needs. It's a routine. It's a routine. Joey's favorite thing is the lobster tank. Oh, yeah, you can can stare at that thing all day. I remember that as a kid. But the thing that's really obnoxious is you can't go in any aisle without seeing three workers with a caravan of carts, (laughs) you know, populating grocery bags for all of these people scared to leave their homes still. Yeah. And it's getting to be a little absurd. Like, you can't get in and out of anywhere. And so I feel like if those workers just decided one day, you know what, we're not going to do this anymore. Come get your own damn groceries. Yeah. Then maybe we could shock these people out of this this cocoon that they've been in for the last two and a half years. I mean, it's not a bad idea. There's something that has to break through here. It because, has to I mean, happen. The mental health issues are so acute. We got to mm-hmm. drag them back into society. Otherwise, everyone's going to be like Miss Thorndike here. <laughs> Who did what? not, just to be clear, have children when in the eighth grade. <laughs> right. Well, and the problem is that the entire sort of expertise culture and yeah. public health culture is like, no, 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 this was good. Right. What we did was good. They still think awesome. that. They and still we, should, think we should maybe do it again because there's a tridemic. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is like, oh. I, I think there has to be for those folks a mental disconnect because if you were responsible for these policies, like you saw such a significant uptick in like teenage suicide and mm-hmm. addiction and fentanyl deaths and people who, 
you know, it's not healthy for humans to be isolated. It wasn't were, wasn't isolated to a moment in time. We're still dealing with it, yeah. by the way. And 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 if you're responsible for for that public policy, mentally, I don't think any human could could handle being like, wow, I've been an absolute monster. That's why they have to keep going with the narrative, yeah. being like, well, until I'm dragged in front of like a uh, a court, I'm going to stick to this sunk, well, sunk cost issue. But luckily, we have reporters to ask Fauci like. Does it make you feel good when you see signs in the front yard and Chevy Chase supporting you? That's a real question from Ted Koppel to him. Unreal. But this is, all right, so, but, but like, this goes back to our previous conversation because I do think there's two explanations. One is what your explanation is for all of this, which is just like, these people are nefarious. They don't, they know damn well what reality is and they just sort of campaign against you all day, Right. Which I do think there are elements of that, no question. But then, you know, when you see people handling like the Twitter thing as if the, what's happening to journos wasn't happening to Americans for the last three, four years, yep. you begin to wonder like how small is that echo chamber? Like, is it possible that these people have lived in such a small little tunnel for as long as they have where they actually don't know reality? Yes. And, and I think, you know, with journos, it's give or take. But with like the left writ large, I think there's a large number of them that sit and watch MSNBC, consume the Washington Post or New York Times, have conversations with their left wing psychopaths, and like they they actually don't know. Yeah, I I think I think for these people like life has become a stage, and mm-hmm. the performance is more important. Saying the right thing to them is more important than actually believing it. Wow. Yes. I really do. I, I, I mean, like, you're right. look at look at Taylor Lorenz, perfect example. You know, I mean, like, as we were coming out of COVID, and there were a lot of mainstream reporters who were very obviously very slow to realize where we had been already for a year. And but as they started to say, like, it's time to get back to normal, she was always in with a quote tweet about how this is leaving the immunocompromised like me behind, right. yada, yada, yada. And, and like, look, if, if you have a, a, a compromised immune system and this is going to impact you, your whole risk assessment is different. I totally get that. Society isn't going to stop forever for you, right. unfortunately. But she was on fucking TikTok in or, you know, doing a live on Instagram about her Twitter ban. She wasn't wearing a mask. She was in with other people. She's wearing a cocktail dress. I assume she's going out. Yep. So obviously she has a life. So that's she has a life. What I'm saying is people like her perform perform for all of us on Twitter and places like this. And that has this impact on like the hive mind of the liberal class. Yeah. It really, I really do believe that's what happened. And, and, and a week before that, she had been uh, like quote retweeting some, some news was talking about how like she in, in China, the COVID zero policy is leading to so many suicides. She's like, well, listen, uh, uh, zero COVID policy actually protects the immunocompromised. Is why I still wear a mask. And then exactly like you said, the other day she's at a cocktail party, no mask. It's a performance, and it's because they know they can make money off of it. They don't yeah. give a damn what the consequences right. are. Well, yeah, I was, I was going to say, the bubble is very, very real. And I do think a lot of, like, a lot of this information on school closures and the fact that schools were, clo- were safe, uh, or that they were closed, like, the extent to which they were closed, journalists just didn't know. They yeah. never looked past what Fauci said. So the bubble is really, really real. I know because I sit across from people at work who look at me like I have a third eyeball right. when I say, like, very basic stuff. <laughs> Um, and so that must be jarring. But they also think they're in this special class. 
And that special class means they can go to events with each other. Yeah, totally. Like, why would that be dangerous? Right. White House correspondents do. That should be fine, right? Huge outbreak. Right. <laughs> right? But wait, we're journalists. Um, they think they should be treated by treated differently by Twitter and COVID. That's the thing is they had years of, of, of not having to live with consequences of their actions or beliefs. And then like a disease comes out and, hey, it's a virus. But I, So before we close out this topic, you said something, MK, that just sort of like resonated with me. Where... We're dealing with these people in, you know, how we somehow we have to pretend in a Washington Post article as if this is a a legit argument. Right. Like these aren't the craziest people you've ever seen. Right. But then, I, you know, you look at the way that the conservative movement is framed in the mainstream media writ large. Not only is our craziest of crazy on display, it basically is the talking point for anybody who's right of center in America, right? I mean, the, you know, the names that you've heard of on every cable news station in this country are not your mainstream average conservative. I mean, these are people that have been elevated by the left right. to try to show the center of this country these people are fucking crazy. You should be scared of these people. They are nuts. And in many cases, they are nuts. But if you look at the way that the left is framed. Oh, yeah. I mean. Here's just this interesting guy who wants all of humankind to be extinct. (laughs) Wow. Right? NBD. I mean, it's incredible. And it's super frustrating just in like, you know, you look at on the right, you look at what in our line of work and you get people who are like, oh, well, you know, we would have won elections if we did X, Y, and Z. And you're like, you have no fucking clue what you're talking about. And it's amazing that you have the platform to discuss it and everything else. But then you extrapolate that out to a whole ideology. And ours is treated like the craziest amongst us are driving it. Whereas the left, it is entirely an academic discussion. Maybe we should extinct. Maybe we should have the extinction of the human race. On it's worth a thought. Well, there it's I, worth discussion. Th- it's there worth are, a couple think pieces. <laughs> their idea pipeline has so it all comes straight from the universities, which come up with the craziest shit. But the thing is that their pipeline of thinking moves very quickly from fringe to mainstream. Where if you think about it, what uh, in, in 2016 Bernie Sanders was an absolute nut job, and now he's running the budget in the Senate, and he, all his thinking is completely mainstream. Well, right? and, 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 his, and his entire agenda was basically implemented completely in 2021. Adopted. And CRT yeah. CRT was a a legal theory for law schools, and now it's taught in middle schools. Oh yeah. And <laughs> and, and and to that point, I mean, I think like this is what the left has done very well, and the reason why a lot of these ideas are presented as mainstream is because being radical in a mainstream media publication lends credence to the other positions that they want. They don't actually want this. I don't think they want this. But what they do want to do is drag the Overton window to the left in a Mm. way that changes all of our perspectives Mm. long term. The real goal isn't to get us to kill ourselves. The goal is is to end climate change. I mean, it might be a fringe benefit. (laughs) They might enjoy that. They might enjoy that. But you see what I'm saying? It's all because of institutional capital. Like they've had the universities, they've got the media, and now they've got the pipeline. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, I mean, along these same lines is the issue of immigration, Mm -hmm. right? And we've been talking about this. I feel like we've had at least a segment every week for four years. But 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 now it, this is like a serious issue because you've got the Biden administration that has up to this point completely ignored the border. They haven't traveled to it. They when are when they're asked, you heard at the top of the show at right, the show. KJP is like, oh, what? No, there's no open border, whatever. But then you see 
that there's like you know reported last week up to fourteen thousand crossings per day. A day, right? And you have this ending of of Title Forty Two, which of course everyone everyone predicts is going to be an abject disaster. Everyone in America is like, please let's talk about this, and yet this administration doesn't even give it a second. Yeah. So so here you have uh, the Harvard-Harris poll on immigration says 81% say illegal immigration is a serious issue for the U.S. right now. And I have a nice little personal anecdote when you, when you talk about how like uh, the, the Biden administration is getting away with this, is there was a, a very stupid New York Times reporter, uh, Farhad Manju, who tweets out that like, you know, when it was the discussion about was Elon getting doxxed. So Elon responds to um, was Bill Malugin on Fox. Yeah, that's a great report. The LA the guy. Yeah, where there was a drone which was capturing tens of thousands, you know, people illegally entering the U.S. And uh, he was like, "Wow, this is real time doxing, isn't it?" Oh, that was his. That was his. Take. Get out of here. And then I said, "I was like, this is the dumbest take possible. <sighs> These are criminals in the process of breaking the law." And he's, he replies, "He's like, how? Oh, that must be a hell of a drone if you can tell their immigration status." I'm like, dude, how many Americans do you know cross the Rio Grande? <laughs> Without stopping at a board, just like walking uh, through the Rio Grande, I 100% guess but, you know they're citizens. But that's the thing is like the New York Times. Yeah, this is this is, is, is at that. This level. is the problem. It's not only are Democrats saying that it's not an issue. We heard Karine Jean Pierre at the top <laughs> of the show saying that the border is not open. We've seen Senate Democrats like Sherrod Brown saying that none of his constituents ever raised this. Obviously, the polling says otherwise. Obviously, every one of our conversations we have with anybody says otherwise. But what does the press do? The press protects Democrats from mm-hmm. accountability. They they prevent them ever from having to answer a difficult question about a subject mm-hmm. of which they're doing a terrible job, and like it just it just makes it worse and worse and worse. I, I cop to being a squish on immigration, right? Like I'm one of these people that everyone else hated years ago who was like, I don't know, maybe we could put something together like a comprehensive plan, right? <laughs> okay, how do you turn a squish into a hardliner? The past four to six years, yeah. It's, it's crazy because it's just logical that we are overwhelming all of these places that that causes a humanity a humanitarian crisis for the people who are coming yes not just the agents who right. have to deal with this and the and the government that has to deal with this and then these towns in texas that are just about oh sure like eagles pass i'm sure that's a big metropolitan area yeah i'm sure they can handle a 14k a day yeah a population doubling with with uh, illegal immigrants they have to put up with the strain and then again like the left tries to cloak their beliefs as if this is uh some kind of the more humanitarian option is just allowing an open border border which only encourages human trafficking uh which only encourages fentanyl to be trafficked into this country killing untold numbers of americans but the media is complicit the yep. media is basically like there's nothing to see here let's to, to mary Catherine's point earlier let's talk about elon musk yep. that's the most important thing is as the guy who runs a social media website not like the fourteen thousand people coming into this country but interesting day. interestingly enough this harvard harris poll does show some incredible amount of permeation within the American public in terms of all of this stuff, right? 75% of people uh, The poll asked uh, how, how many illegal border crossings they think are occurring each year. Yeah, yeah, right? And and 75% of people guessed it was less than a million, right? 87 guessed that it was less than 2 million. The actual number is 2.75 million, right? And that's before we've gotten to this post-Title 42. Yeah situation i would wonder uh what the journo answer on this would be great question oh it's such a good good question i, I mean I'm, I'm, maybe like, i don't know like seven i don't yeah. you know i saw aoc go down there once and there looked like there was like maybe 30 40 
And she was super good to him too. Did you guys see all good? Except for they, they do know exactly how many were in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, they do know 80, that's the number. Eighty on the button, and those heroic people, by the way, they yeah. served them lobster and sent them on their way. Yeah, the the, the <laughs> national the national media the national media finally could could pay attention to the issue once it was where they liked to vacation. Yeah, you know. But you wonder how much of this is is now because we've discussed how they just don't cover this stuff. But if you look at the poll numbers, um. When they're provided the data, the respondents say 67% uh, said the Biden administration needs stricter policies to reduce the flow of illegal crossings. Right. Right? I mean, 67% is a big freaking number in this country. 79 say Title 42 should be continued. That's a pretty amazing number, right? Considering they're just like completely ignoring this issue for as long as they have. If you're actually provided the data on what's happening. So we, we, we have... A number of border patrol agents who listen to the show mm-hmm. and one in particular uh dm'd the ruthless account last last week and i just got to read from it first of all they they say the biden administration has a complete abdication of responsibility on the border and uh here's a from uh the last dm keep up the pressure on the border issue gentlemen we agents appreciate it you don't know how much we love this podcast you're doing the lord's work oh god that, oh, makes that is me feel amazing terrific. to hear yeah yeah and we will, and I know. think very soon, very soon, we will be discussing this with an expert. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we're, we're going to plan on doing this, and we're working the hardest working people over the holidays. We really are. Uh, by, the, by the way, I believe there was a border agent who tragically died maybe, maybe two weeks ago mm-hmm. in an accident uh, while mm-hmm. he was on duty, and uh, I don't know if we've yet even gotten a statement from the White, from the White House? House about that, but like, this is a repeated thing where the, the 13 Marines died mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. Correct could not even mention them in the State of the Union, which is, I think is one of the more egregious things in this entire Disgusting. administration. Just put out a statement. Yeah, These are your people. Right. I know you think they're whipping immigrants and that's, your, that's the thing you want to com- concentrate on, but this man died trying to do the job that you've made really, really hard. Right. Just well, toss him I a mean, statement. Listen, it's, oh. a, it's a Democrat administration. They did what they could. They drone-striked a bunch of kids. All right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, it, it does actually open the larger question. You know, Like, when a Republican's in control... Libs all love to think that we basically put people in like the Department of Education and the Department of Health and Human Services or whatever. They're like trying to not do education and healthcare, right? When it's the exact opposite. I mean, you're trying, people are trying desperately hard to get a big bureaucratic, progressive organization to actually do their jobs. Mm -hmm. But when Democrats are in power, I think we now have proof positive. They actually just want to dismantle this stuff like they the border in and of itself the fact that you couldn't even send somebody down the president and vice president could not at one point in this administration go down to the border and when asked they say they are more important things to do and then just to like dismiss all of the policy is sort of like remnants of a trump administration that was extremely racist i mean you've got to come to the conclusion that they are literally trying to dismantle any border security we have in this country absolutely i mean that's what's happening 100 percent. you're seeing that in action when you see cases of border agents dying in the line of work they're overwhelmed they have zero support from this administration trying to do an incredibly important job a nation does not exist if it doesn't have borders period and so they are trying to literally hold you know they're holding the line literally for this country and what they not only are they not mentioned when some have given their lives 
this administration actively undermines them and accuses them of yeah. whipping. Right. You are whipping migrants, which was an which absolute is made up. lie, manufactured by you know a, a left wing operative. There was no walk back from the administration. Well, and they, and they knew it. That's they the thing. It. We now know that before the president spoke on the whipping, and before the the <sighs> the non whipping, which never happened. Right. It, it, before the the DHS secretary said anything about it, they already knew that none of that happened. And yet they felt like, again, to your point, the performative piece of it. Right. They felt the need to go out and express outrage. Yeah. Even though they knew it was not true. They knew it was fake, but that doesn't matter. What's more important is that you say the right thing, not the true thing. Oh. But it's important to note that we're the post-truth problem. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm, for sure. <laughs> we're the weirdos and we're the ones without truth. For sure. For sure. All right. Before we get into a sports update, I just, I got, I've got to tell you, uh, what do we think of the the Trump playing card thing, Dunks? The NFT thing? Yeah. Fucking, fucking embarrassing. Genius. <laughs> I think it was embarrassing. Genius. No, no, no. I actually want to hear from Smug why it's genius. Genius. Like everyone was like, "Oh, this is ridiculous, right? Uh, the NFT thing has has died down." Or <clears throat> so. Wait, hold on. Let me set the stage. There, the the Trump organization. Uh, this sent, is separate from the campaign account. Sent out uh, press releases indicating that the former president was going to make a big announcement last week. And so everyone in the political space was speculating about whether it was the next stage of his election campaign re- election campaign, or whether it was something to do with McCarthy and his speakership or like something relevant to the outside world. And then he comes out <laughs> with a video... Uh, of NFTs trading cards a trading card a digital trading card of Mm -hmm. him in like superhero poses that you can buy for the very low price of $99 per NFT and there were 45,000 of them and they were gone in 12 hours (laughs) I mean I I don't results the market speaks for look I I don't I don't doubt that for a second and like he's Trump has every right to do whatever the hell he wants but I thought he was running for president Wait, you know. So this was was this a this? I no. think what you just said was it, it was not a campaign. Correct, and that's what to to me. So initially, so it's just about making four million. Bucks? He didn't make, even make four million. This is a licensing deal. So somebody made four million bucks. I don't know what his percentage is on that, but he didn't make four million bucks. It was somebody else's deal. And uh, such a weird time to get into the NFT game. You've got like FTX going bankrupt, all these crypto exchanges having like liquidity crises, and you're picking like. Like like the digital photo market but I think to get into, where you can right click and you can just own it yourself. Like, well, well, I think that's what's most amazing about this is that like <coughs> still he can move forty five. Oh no doubt of all of that, no doubt. And then, um, so it, uh, my initial concerns, I was like, I don't know how like the FEC on this would work because you know the way that because uh, you thought it was a campaign thing. Well, yeah, initially, because like uh, you know, you whenever someone gives money to a campaign, you have to fill out the FEC thing, yeah. list your, you know, employment or whatever. And so when you've got crypto, it's like you don't really know who the hell is buying it, who's resigning, what's happening there. So it was on the private side, which makes all the FEC concerns completely gone because it's not a campaign thing. So so he just banks cash out of it. Why not, dude? But you have to actually ask the question, like, how that's moving the ball down the road for the Trump campaign, don't you? Like, presumably, the man's focused on running for president. I mean, he got a headline where he sold 45,000 NFTs. Presumably, he's doing a lot of work in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your, I mean, what's your take? Is he not? Is he, is this? No, I don't think he's focused on running for president. I think he, I think he announced in a fit of peak 
because he wasn't getting enough attention and it was underwhelming. And I think this is sort of underwhelming, although no, not a bad haul of cash. Uh, the reason he's getting into NFTs is because our constituency is just like a couple of months behind on that kind of. Yeah, yeah. And like a year and a half later, right, right. we're like, oh, they have got these amazing yeah, like, things online. Well, and like, I, I feel like that's like a that's like that's a perfect parent Christmas gift. <laughs> Trump NFT. Like drop 99 bucks. Explain to your parents what an NFT is. Here, mom, I'll put this on your phone. You have tr- Trump in a astronaut you own suit. it you own it you nobody else owns it i just think dude i i think especially with the result the disappointing result that we had in the midterm like i think most republicans are focused on trying to win and they want people to be serious and i just i just i just thought it was just a weird just weird i thought it's just fucking weird i i think making money is a win and i want to completely contrast that to this story that i saw it says uh, this is from axios stacy abrams campaign in debt after yes, losses. this is great. This is—I mean, these numbers are staggering. After raising more than one hundred <laughs> million dollars in her second bid to be Georgia governor, is that the most raised by an incumbent? That's got to be up there. I the mean. Stacey Abrams campaign <laughs> owes more than one million in debt to vendors. Two-time campaign manager Lauren Wargo confirmed to Axios. Well, I mean, wow. This, I, the numbers are insane. So, like, in the article, it says uh, uh, Abrams had been heralded for her fundraising prowess and brought in donations at a presidential level earlier in the year. But money became so tight that most of the 180 full-time staffers were given an abrupt paycheck cutoff date just a week after November. 180 full-time Now, staffers? that can't be right because <laughs> I know that Stacey Abrams cares deeply uh-huh. about the people working for her campaign. Oh, yeah. The And would not people? cut them off no. shortly after with all those bags of money she got in oh my goodness 180 staffers so the in contrast to that brian kemp's campaign staff was paid through november plus bonuses that's what you get for winning big (laughs) you know these evil republicans staff for both herschel walker and Raphael warnock are being paid through december according to campaign officials uh a hundred million bucks guys i mean here's the thing what was the name of her nonprofit that got in all that oh that's right trouble oh Gosh, Remember, I, I mean, so she had a nonprofit that it turns out was all up to no governor again dot org. <laughs> yeah, that feels right. That feels right. Um, but she she's had this issue since the very beginning <clears throat> where they raise untold number of, of money from like guilty progressives. Right. Basically. Right. That she's like their spokesperson. Right. And then she promptly squanders it. Right. Like in amazing fashion. Here's here's the story, and this came out October 24th, just recently. Like, my God. Uh, it says Abrams' campaign chair collected millions in legal fees. Fair Fight Action, the nonprofit founded by Abrams, paid her close friend and allies law firm $9.4 million, 2019-2020. I mean, that's the thing. So the This is like a self-enrichment. <laughs> it's like yeah. she's like, well, I mean, I'm going to get smoked by, by Kemp. Might as well make money for everybody else. Which is what happened here. And, and you know, Kemp raised a lot of money, but a fraction of what abrams did and he blew her doors off i mean that was a no doubter from like august on i mean just crushed right in a, in a state that ultimately voted democrat for senate yeah you know i mean she's a rising star you guys i don't yeah. know what you're you guys remember i mean like we're talking she was on the short list for for vp oh yeah they were like oh man let's let's have didn't she even do like a state of the union response stuff? yeah she did it was terrible Absolutely oh horrible man it's just incredible what a house of cards these people are. And I think, I can't remember if it was the viewer where, but like very recently, over the past week or so, uh, she said, well, I haven't given up on the idea of running again. They're wild. 
Wow. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, she's until in, the money she, stops. She's why in not? debt. She's in debt. She's gonna have to keep running. It's a campaign account. Well, this is one of the things you got to remember about polit- modern day politics. It's just because people are running for office doesn't necessarily mean that they have the best interest of the people that they secret uh, uh, seek to represent. And sometimes right? losing is a very lucrative business. It becomes a business. Yeah. And it becomes a business for people around them. It becomes their core business. And if you have a moment in time, you saw this for a lot of presidential candidates over the last 20 years. If you run and have a moment in time where you expand all of your fundraising to the hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever, and it goes away, they almost just invent shit of course. to run for. We saw the same thing with Amy McGrath. You know, She's yeah. going to take her entire campaign apparatus, which raised almost $100 million. She's going to focus it on stopping the MAGA candidates across the country. Like, Lord knows all we need is one more fucking pack. You know, and, and that's just have just have to have it. And, and the Abrams uh, article also mentioned that uh, I think it was her campaign manager who was like, you know, we were just trying to bring in money as, as much as possible because like near the end, it was very clear Kemp was going to smoke them. And they're like, we were just like, you know, renting out our list like <laughs> they're just that's that's it. This is a cash cow yeah. oh, just trying to make man. money any way possible. I so. got to get into this business because I feel like if I put my mind to it, I'd be pretty good at losing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you like gotta, I could drop the ball. You got you got to do it perennially though, because if you ever actually win, it's a real problem. Real yeah, problem, because like, then you're expected to do something. Yeah. <laughs> like, it catches up to you. Um, all right. So last thing on the this, if you guys follow the proxy voting situation, so during the pandemic, Pelosi put into the House uh, a new rule where you didn't actually have to show up to vote, and it was her way of like caring for COVID. Right. Like basically meant none of the members actually had to show up. And we've had members on that were freshmen in after the 2020 election. We're like, I've never met my colleagues. Wow. They just don't like don't show. Right. So this McCarthy has said like that's that's done. So we're not we're not doing that anymore. But it turns out, according to the Washington Examiner, uh, dozens of lawmakers capitalize on final days of proxy voting. Dozens of members of Congress, including some Republicans, are taking advantage of the final days of proxy voting before the Republican majority pledges to do away with the pandemic-era practice in the new year. On Thursday, nearly one-fifth of representatives failed to show up to cast in person. Politico counted 53 Democrats and 26 Republicans who voted uh, by proxy. What a disaster. So here's the thing is I've changed my tune on this as I think, you know. Oh, you want it now? The left deserves. Now, once we have the majority, hey, stay stay in your district. Who cares? Vote from there. Oh. Stay among the people. They did it to us for so long. Why should only they capitalize on it? On, on principle, I'm done with I'm done with fighting for principles. You know, one, one good quote that Dick Cheney had uh, was that uh, principles are great up to a moment until it causes you to lose. Yes, yeah. I am on board with that policy. Well, I tell you what, we'll need every vote possible. The hell with it. If Republicans continue this practice, suddenly that will be a very good way to get the pandemic declared over yet again. There you <laughs> oh, yeah. go. Like there yeah. can there can there be no possible reason that these people yeah. need to stay home. <laughs> it is the year of our Lord, twenty twenty three. We believed in the Lord. <laughs> Fauci's back chess. on the tube saying nothing to worry about. Yeah, right. Everything is as clear as just immediately. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, listen, I think we did it here, folks. MK, I can't thank you enough for coming in Thank here. you. Glad to be here. And glad I did not go into labor. Or am I not glad? Because that would have been some readings. And be- <laughs> <laughs> before, before we end this thing, you have a podcast of your own. I do. It's called Getting Hammered. 
Wow. Best name possible. I mean, it's I'm so seriously. good. And I've been a guest on Getting Hammered. It's fantastic. I do it with my, my buddy Vic Mattis of the Free Beacon. Great guy. You, know, you guys are buds with the Free Beacon totally. folks. Totally, yeah. And uh, it's lighthearted. I'm probably a little meaner here than I am on my own podcast. This, this gives me a moment to be beyond. We like being the outlet for folks to be mean. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. a big outlet for me. It depends on how, how drunk I am. But I like being mean on here. But you get a fourth kid introduced, you can be super mean next year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, take out the frustration. I'm owning the lives by having all these kids. <laughs> but yeah, you can listen on Wednesdays and Fridays. In that way, it's a great compliment to you. Oh, guys. it is a great compliment. Oh, just fill out your week. Perfectly. With getting hammered. I Perfectly. love that getting hammered. All right, MK, thank you so much for joining us. I thank think we you. did it, Smug. I think so. Absolute banger of a show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. To our listeners, uh, I know everyone's getting geared up for the holidays. I think we'll have something special next week for you. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.